Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Rebuilding America with a diverse workforce. What the Columbus Central Ohio building trades did to create a pathway to the middle class for underserved communities. Also, it's our first Friday with Fred, Fred Redman, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Welcome to the Friday, March 3rd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have a total of three guests on the show today. We're going to start things off in our first two segments with two people. One of them you know, Dorsey Hager, who is the executive director of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, columbusconstruction.org. And with him on the line is Nana Watson. Nana is the president of the Columbus branch of the NAACP, where she plays a vital role, vital role, in seeking social, economic, and political justice for the residents in that area. She also serves on various panels and community forums for her expertise in equity regarding community relations. She has a breadth of professional experience in public relations, consumer, and government affairs. And this is a great story to tell. Columbus, Ohio, has taken a large step to ensure that members of underserved communities will work on city funded construction and there is a lot of city funded construction going on in central ohio they approve this ordinance this was back in november which will essentially create a nine-member committee to establish hiring goals for future so-called community benefit agreements then this board will evaluate the impact that each CBA will have on a neighborhood and then provide further recommendations. Nana is quoted as saying the Community Benefits Advisory Council will embrace diversity and inclusion as it relates to construction projects in our city. She went on to say, it is our hope you will share this model with other cities as we believe this advisory board will help increase diversity and inclusion within other cities. So what we're talking about here is a model, a model that can be taken anywhere in America to help people get out of those communities, pathway to the middle class. And it's a great idea. It's been working. It's only going to work better because of this partnership. So uh, Dorsey and Nana will be joined on the conversation to talk about how this was all put together and where they go from here. This is a stepping stone. It's the beginning of something good. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Fred Redman. Fred, of course, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, and uh, he is on his way to uh, Austin, Texas. In fact, he might be there right now. And this is pretty cool because he's going to talk about the, uh, the Chris Gardner Foundation's Permission to Dream program. This was announced a couple of months back, and what a great idea. They partnered with the AFL-CIO and the uh, – North American building trades. Again, we're talking about getting to certain communities where people can find that pathway to the middle class. And Chris Gardner, if you know anything about Chris Gardner, 
He's the guy that Will Smith played in The Pursuit of Happiness, and he had some tough times. He found his way out of poverty, became a multi-multi-millionaire, and he's at that stage in his life right now where he wants to give back, and he's actually doing that around the country. This initiative creates a pipeline of diverse young workers who will fill the jobs created by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Chips and Science Act. We've got good policies here. Very good policies that came out of the administration. Now we got to find the people that are going to execute those policies. And the apprenticeship programs are doing that as we speak. The other thing that Fred is going to talk about, he recently spoke during the Battle of Homestead Foundation's annual meeting and the importance of studying labor history. And if you get an opportunity, just go when you have time, go to your computer and Google the Homestead story, the Homestead strike, the Homestead riot. I mean, all of those will pop up. And this involves a battle in a steel mill in the 1890s, a steel mill that was run by Andrew Carnegie, who built the Carnegie Steel Company, one of the largest and most profitable steel companies in the country, which eventually became U.S. Steel. This was ugly, my friends. I mean, really, they fired on the workers, on the strikers, and they pretty much broke the union. And at the time, they were one of a few steel mills that actually had a union, but they got some new blood in there, and they were saying, well, we got to obviously get more money, and Carnegie comes and says, no way, not going to happen. Then he brings the goons in there, and the rest is history. So uh, Fred is a student of history, and he comes from the steelworkers, so he knows this story all too well. So Fred Redman will be our second guest right here on America's Workforce. You know, while we're talking about uh, steelworkers, i got to mention here Jackie Anklum of the United Steelworkers, local 9899 in Saginaw, Michigan. A woman of steel. You know, we're in to March, which is Women's History Month, and this is just one woman that's made tremendous history. An environmental technician at Ascension St. Mary's Hospital. Jackie is among the essential workers on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic, going to work every single day to make sure others get the care they need. While doing her job, she represented of USW members at Ascension St. Mary's Hospital. Anklam, a member of the USW's Healthcare Workers Council, fought for respirators, personal protective equipment, cleaning supplies, and gowns for those on the front lines. Well, that fight became personal when Jackie Anklam's father died of COVID-19 in a Michigan hospital that ran short of PPE. Activism, nothing new for Jackie Anklam. In 2017, she won a USW Cares Jefferson Award for heroic work, bringing safe drinking water to the people in Flint, Michigan, when a state of emergency was declared because of water contamination. A woman of history, a woman of steel, Jackie Anklum, United Steelworkers Local, 9899, Saginaw, Michigan. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll link up with the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Central Ohio right now and welcome to the show. We check in with them each and every month. That would be Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, ColumbusConstruction.org. And for the past couple of months, Dorsey and I have been talking about these uh, community benefit agreements, and uh, they've done something that's quite remarkable in central Ohio. And uh, joining him today is uh, Nana Watson, who is head of the NAACP. And you heard me talk about this on the show, that we got to reach out to those underserved communities, and that's exactly what we are going to talk about on the show today. Dorsey, I'm going to let you pick it up from there. This is, it's quite fascinating. Thank you for putting this together. I think it's important that the public and our listening audience is aware of what's going on, and it's quite revolutionary. So you you take it from there, buddy. Absolutely. I want to uh, thank you for having us on here again. I know this is my uh, my normal slot, and I appreciate that. And like you said, one of our uh, you know longtime uh, guests uh, last month when I was on, I was celebrating my birthday, and you said one of our oldest guests. So I'm glad it's not my birthday today. I'm just a longtime <laughs> guest, but I appreciate that. But uh, but no. Um, so uh, President Watson and I, we kind of formed our relationship about nine years ago, and we started talking about common interests uh, that we have. And obviously, she's a tremendous community advocate here in Columbus and Central Ohio. Uh, her, her presence alone speaks volumes uh, when she walks into a room, city council, uh, county commissioners, anywhere in the community, uh, Fortune 500 companies, um, other companies looking to grow or expand here. And I was telling her that when I meet with companies, you know, they have two questions, you know, do you have the people to build our projects and do they resemble the the community in which they work in. So, so President Watson and I started working together uh, to see what we could do uh, to make sure that that, that not only could we reach out uh, to the underserved communities where there's, uh, you know, black people and there's people of color and there's females and there's veterans that really need these opportunities and these jobs and a shot at the middle class. And, and many didn't even know about these jobs in the building trades, the lucrative union jobs with good pay and benefits to where they could take care of their families and retire with dignity and respect. So we just started working together. And, you know, you've heard me talk many times about building futures. Uh, we partnered with uh, Franklin County Commissioners. 
and uh, the rest of our building trades unions here. And we've created a, a state-of-the-art program that really helps remove all barriers uh, for people that are looking to get onto that direct path to the middle class, gives them soft skills, financial literacy helps the justice involved if somebody's got some things in their in their past that they maybe need uh, corrected or some counseling on so they can move forward and be more employable and she's been a tremendous advocate not just for her organization uh, the Columbus NAACP but for for all working people and families and 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 members of the community so we reached out to Rob Dorrance who's president of city council and uh, President Watson has a tremendous relationship with Emmanuel Remy on city council as well and we started talking to them about these community benefit agreements which is a form of a project labor agreement and you know a project labor agreement ensures that a job is done on time under budget it safely uh and, and you know but at cba we put some 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 guardrails in there to make sure that there was an emphasis on local contractors there was an emphasis on local hiring there was an emphasis you know the last cba we did was at the london rec center about a 32 million dollar job in one of our celebrate one neighborhoods we made sure that there was people from the community that had an opportunity to work and help construct and maintain um that rec center um you know so 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 people here locally in columbus people from some of our celebrate one neighborhoods some of the most underserved neighborhoods in our in our community but also across the county and also that these these people would not only get the training that they needed the wraparound services they needed to be successful but they're also going to make good pay good health care benefits good dental good vision um and you know and a good pension and a good annuity so uh, i'll just kind of throw it to president watson and get her thoughts on 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 everything that's uh, we've accomplished here in the last 12 to 18 months everything that's that's been done but uh you know uh, we spoke last month in, in our last meeting president watson jeff hunley from the building trades um several other uh barry pickett from the from the office of the mayor um i think jason jenkins who's our new uh chief of diversity and inclusion who's been a tremendous partner and advocate uh, for all the work we're doing here in the community. We're recently appointed to the Community Benefits uh, Agreement um, Committee, and they're going to look at these projects and they're going to make recommendations uh, to what agreements can be used. But also, I think they're going to take it a step further and they're going to really hold local employers and contractors and city administration their feet to the fire that if we're using these tax dollars and we're using them to help rebuild these neighborhoods and, and some of the work that's going on and stuff, that we want to use local people and we want everybody to have a bite at the apple. So I'll throw it to President Watson there because I know she's got plenty to say to this and she's been a tremendous advocate and help with us getting this done. We're Dorsey. Just let me say thank you for those kind words about me. I was like, oh, okay, I accept that. I feel the same <laughs> way about I feel the same way about about you, Dorsey. Um, we've always been very direct, uh, transparent. Sometimes agree to disagree, <clears throat> but that's okay because we get stuff done. And I always say. Uh, uh, Dorothy and I are connected at the hips when we get ready to go talk to somebody about a new build in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, <clears throat> we have been working on that community benefits agreement, oh, I don't know, about maybe four or five years, Dorothy. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was a long time. And and what made it, what made us think about this was every time – there was a new build. We'd have to go down, ask questions. And Dorothy, jump in. We had to go down to the city, ask questions. Who was going to be the developer? <clears throat> was there a memorandum of understanding? I mean, it just it just became very cumbersome. So uh, we all got together and uh, developed a community benefits agreement. And that's a historic piece of legislation for the city of Columbus. It sets the tone on how they are going to do business. Uh, with with companies that come to Columbus to build, uh, and I think that's good. They're looking at it through an equity lens. 
because I tell you what irritates me, and Dorsey knows this. I do go to job sites, and if I see a license tag outside of Franklin County, that just makes me very angry because we do not want our monies leaving Franklin County. So we, this benefits, benefit agreement is going to help solve all of that. Uh, I believe that uh, it will benefit not only the companies, but it's going to benefit our community because there will be people on those sites uh, that are black, the uh, underserved, all of that, because we want those jobs to reflect the community because they're in the community. Now, Dorsey, do I need to go on? <laughs> I think that you absolutely, but I think you hit the nail on the head. And I can remember, uh, and, and I've used this word several times, and I'll probably use it several more times, uh, Flash, because I can't think of a better word uh, to describe uh, her help and her passion. But but it's advocacy. She's a tremendous advocate. You know, when, when her and I uh, first had these conversations back in 2018 about building futures, uh, with the Franklin County Commissioners and, and with uh, Joy Bivens and with Ken Wilson, which, which Nana's taken this a lot farther as well. And she's been working with Mark Fluharty at CCOHF, which is a board that her and I sit on together to expand not only building futures, but also offer job opportunities to people in the community that maybe don't want to be a plumber or an electrician. Maybe they want to be a garbage truck driver. Maybe they want to be a teamster. Maybe they want to work maintenance at City Hall. Maybe they want to work in the health department. So she's a tremendous advocate. But back to the, the, the CBAs and the community benefit agreements, I can remember going in and talking with people from finance, people from, part, from development, uh, talking to city council people, their staff, talking to people in the, mayor, you know, the mayor's office and his administration. And I think a lot of people looked through the lens of construction where they were like, hey, this is great. You know, we're going to build, I'll give you an example, because I saw President Watson uh, in the paper at the ground the other day. Hey, we're going to build this Adam H. Uh, crisis center, and it's a $56 million job. Well, most people see the press clipping, and then they drive by at the ribbon cutting when it's done and they're like oh this is tremendous well what about all the people in between that actually did the work poured the concrete delivered the materials you know uh put up the studs put up the sheet metal put up the hvac the plumbing wrapped all the pipes and did all the painting did all the finishing did all that stuff you know what about those people because those are tremendous jobs as well and we want to make sure and and again this is where she's been a tremendous advocate on so many projects that we can't even begin you know you know when you, when she sees license plates from indiana kentucky or or counties in within ohio Ohio that are outside of our, you know, Franklin County, our central Ohio jurisdiction, you know, this money is our taxpayer dollars. We should be spent uh, with the people, you know, here in the community building. And if we don't have enough people in this community to build the projects, you know, we've talked about this flash, all the work going on. What are we going to do to expand programming to train more local people to get them onto this path, this direct path to the middle class and do a lot of this work? So it was, I'm telling you, it was, and I'm not just saying this because we're both on the interview together, but it was a pleasure. Uh, you know, like she said, we're joined at the hip. It was a pleasure going into a lot of these meetings and, and even a lot of these community meetings, um, you know, and, and hearing her speak with passion and educate a lot of these uh, people that really didn't know a lot about construction or know about the union or the building trades and, and these opportunities, uh, you know, that, that can be done. And, and I'm going to throw one more thing and then I want to hear from President Watson Flash, but it was her idea um, to have the all-female cohort last year of Building Futures, and it was by far and away one of the most successful cohorts that we've had. And we're going to start off this year with an all-female cohort as well. Uh, as we talk to some of these companies that are coming to Columbus, Facebook, Google, Intel, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, you know, they're very, very excited in what we're doing uh, to train the next generation of the Building Trades workforce, specifically when it comes 
uh, to females. You know, in the next five years, females are going to make up more than 50 percent of the workforce um, in the union construction trades here in Ohio. They make up about 18 percent of the workforce, which is horrible, but it's still six times the national average. So if we can keep, you know, advocating uh, to women, uh, removing some of the barriers that they have, and that's child care. And those are some of the conversations I had last week. Um, with, with some of our customers, and I know President Watson and I are scheduled to meet with Intel here in a couple uh, a couple of weeks and talk about child care issues out on their job site. But if we can work through some of those things, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to capitalize on the growth and the economic boom here in Columbus and Central Ohio to, to lift everybody up into that middle class. Let me just jump in here for a minute, Dracy. Um Last Monday, I believe, uh, NAACP and, and the unions have on legislation where you are asked, you want money, funds for something, can you please um, put a notation, this is a black-owned business, this is a women-owned business, et cetera. And, and they did it. They voted on the legislation Monday. So that was another historical moment, showed strength and collaboration between the city of Columbus, the unions, and the NAACP. So I thought that was key to note. And, Dorothy, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, Sometimes, well, most of the time, if I see license tags from outside of Franklin County, I call Dorothy and say, Dorothy, this is what I found. You need, we need to find out what's going on there. And he calls the, <laughs> the appropriate trade and says, you know, she's, she's over there, whatever he says to them. But it was interesting. I was in a meeting yesterday and um, meeting with um, this company and was getting ready to um, to ask them a lot of questions. And uh, all of a sudden, the director says, tell them about building futures, man. Tell them about that. And I said, I will. And I said, a sidebar, we need for you to give us some money for that. So those are the types of things that, that we do that shows collaboration, that um, the county and the city and all of us are, are locked at the hips to make sure that that individuals that have not had the opportunity for employment and, and make a good salary, this is their time, and this is what we're doing for them. And it's just awesome. Uh, it warms my heart to see it. Our Building Futures class has 98% graduation. Um, our Driving Futures program, I always like to tell this story. There was a gentleman uh, in a class to get his CDL. You can jump in, Dorsey, if I leave out anything. And he got his CDL. He left and bought him a truck and made some money. But I think it was six figures for a while. Then he went back to the class and got another person. And that person bought a truck. Now they have a business. And they're making more than six. I mean, they're making six figures. So that's a success success story for our program. I don't know anywhere and, else that could it happened that we don't know. Well, maybe it is happening, but I think that we've got the best program here. I also know that since in Hamilton County uh, wants to uh, have a building futures, they want to um, to do what we're doing here. So that's another excitement, exciting opportunity. We want to take it all over the state. And Nana, that's the story we want to hear. I'll tell you, it's so cool that we got both of you on the live line uh-huh. today. Dorsey Hager who heads the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, and Nana Watson, who heads the NAACP, the Columbus branch. And we're talking about the pathway to the middle class. Boy, if that's one thing Dorsey taught me, that is a line I keep repeating on this show. Pathway to the middle class. I love it. I love it. We're going to be back right after this on America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. 
It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L I U N A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. GE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Forgot to mention, too, later in the show, we're going to check in with Fred Redmond, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. It's our first Friday with Fred. All right, let's go back to Columbus. We have uh, two people joining us in our live line. One of our regulars, Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary-Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, and Nana Watson, who is president of the Columbus branch of the NAACP. And we're talking about this community benefit agreement it's historic in central ohio and nana i want to talk to you about reaching out to those underserved communities and i know the national building trades north america building trades better known as nabtu is making this a priority and they've got statistics on this they are making a dent when it comes to union versus non-union african americans Uh latinos and women i mean we're seeing definitely more involved in unions but we still have a long way to go can you talk to me about targeting and and a lot of this everything you know everything today is about messaging and getting into those areas to show you know what there's a better way out there there's a career you were talking in the first segment about six-figure salaries you know what that gets Mm -hmm. people's attention are we making that connection how do you feel about that right now well, I think that's what that's the challenge, and it's both a challenge for us, but it's an opportunity for other people. Uh, people want to hear from a trusted voice in the community that, particularly in the black community, we, we need to hear a trusted voice. Can I take that to the bank? Can I go get this program? Is it, and we're going to test it and try to break it, and that hasn't happened with this program. Oh, I can tell you that. It's, uh, it was very a very hard task for the NAACP to uh, share with the unions that currently, right now, we don't see a lot of, of black people in the union. Uh, and that was, that was a 
big, big challenge for us. And I told Dorsey, I said, Dorsey, we have to fix this. We can fix this one trade at a time. Um, Dorsey and Mark Fluharty, my other buddy, uh, we did a, a class on uh, diversity and inclusion biases because we want people that are different on a job site. We want people to understand that person, embrace their their differences, because if you do that, it's for the common good of the entire community. So we did that, and we're getting better. Uh, the unions are getting better. They understand it. They're doing well. But communicating that is, is rather hard to the community because they believe that if you join a union, uh, you're not going to be able to work um, after that job, that's not true. So we've been trying to dispel those myths uh, about the unions and our program, Building Futures, Driving Futures, and all of the other ones included under our umbrella. So, so do you feel that that message is, is starting, starting to take hold right now then? I definitely think it's, it's, it's uh, taking hold. Um, I, I believe uh, our partners, that would be city, county, um, the unions, yes, we're all we're bound together to make a difference in our community. We're putting aside differences because we're looking at the end. The end is jobs for individuals and to remove them from uh, from poverty. Right, right. Pathway to the middle think, class. There, there we go again. Yeah, I think, you know? yeah, I think she hit the nail right on the head. I mean, we go back. I think it was 2018, uh, President Watson. I think it was November of 2018. Actually, in November of maybe of 17, so I think our first cohort was January of 18, and we had our first outreach event at uh, Tridestone uh, Baptist Church, historically black church here, uh, well known in the city of Columbus, uh, huge, huge, huge congregation. And um, I walked into that church along with President Watson and, and members of the community, and it was packed because people wanted to hear what we had to say. And I'll be honest with you, and I had a short conversation with her after this. I said, you know, wow. I said, uh, I said that that did not go well. And she said, no. She said, but we're going to prove a lot of these people wrong. We're going to get this program started. We're going to get people of color into unions. We're going to get them into the middle class, and uh, and we're going to show them together what we can do to help lift people out of poverty. And I think that that we've done that. And, and you know, we talk about this too, Flash, and it's, it's an old saying, you know, uh, uh, big ships take wide turns. And I know sometimes it feels like, you know, you're kind of paddling upstream and you're, you're pulling some, some people with you. But I think here in Columbus, we've gotten a lot better being a lot more progressive. And I think we've gotten back to the root of what labor unions did. Uh, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, you know, we worked with, with Dr. Martin Luther King and we were part of the civil rights mm-hmm. movement and we helped people, you know, because we saw, you know, uh, I just saw a stat the other day, and this is why our women's cohort is so important. A female of color that does not belong to a labor union in the city of Columbus averages a little over $12,000 a year in salary. $12,000 a year. Now, we had females out of our all female cohort last year walking right into a job making anywhere from 22 to $29 an hour. And that was before you factor in their their health care and their pension and their benefits. But we want to take this a step farther. And President Watson and I have talked about this and and uh, and we're working on it right now here at the building trades. But but we want to encourage people like she talked about the t- two entrepreneurs that came out of driving futures. We want to encourage kids that once they go through their apprenticeship 
And if they have the means necessary and if they have the appetite and the work ethic, if they want to start their own contracting company or they want to start their own company or they want to move into management as an estimator or project coordinator or safety director or engineer, we want to help them. And we have all the tools and training necessary to, to do that. So we're right now working on establishing a uh, union minority contractor database, not just SBE, WBE, but also EDGE. Uh, so that way, when these companies and these suppliers for Intel start coming in, or uh, you know, when these contractors uh, are here and they're doing developmental projects or they're doing housing projects or, or whatever they're doing in the city or county, and they pick up the phone and call President Watson or they pick up the phone and they call me and they say, hey, you know, we've got a goal here for 20% uh, minority contracting. What can you do to help us? Well, here are our IBW contracts contractors that are that are minority here's a great uh, uh, female-owned painting company that's a minority here's you know and we want to help them uh, you know because we want to see these small and emerging businesses and these minority businesses grow too and uplift the community with them as they uplift the workers in our programs as well and flash I think I think um, one of the things I'm very direct and very honest and straightforward and if it's and if there's a little uh, there's a little hiccup in it tell us and we'll try to fix it and Dorsey operates the same way because we're not perfect and there's no need in, in misleading people there's no need in misleading people saying you're going to come out and you're going to make six figures next month we can't mislead them it's a step it's a process Sure. And uh, I think thus far our students are doing very well economically. I really believe that. And when we go to the graduations, Dorsey and I are sitting down thinking, look at those kids. Because we call them kids, but they really are young adults, but we refer to them as, as our kids. And they And once they graduate from that program, Flash, you know they come back. They talk to the people that that um, to train them. They go back and they give back and they say, "We've got somebody right here," and they tell our story. What better success is that for the for the students to tell the story and bring more? Yep, that's what you want. She's one hundred percent. She's 100% right. The best marketers and marketing of the program are the graduate themselves because when they go back into the community and somebody sees them carrying a lunchbox or a hard hat or, or they see them in a restaurant afterwards or they see them you know, driving a new car or buying a new house and they say, what in the heck happened here? Oh, I went through Driving Futures, the six-week CDL program, and last year you know, I made $85,000 driving a concrete truck for Anderson Concrete. Or, hey, I uh, you know, got this job and you know, now I'm working out – at Facebook for Turner and I'm a union laborer and I'm doing this and this and they're giving me the training to keep me employed and have a nice long steady career and a great example and I know I could bore you to death and the listeners with these stories but um, Charles Straley and, and he'll admit to you he's he's a union iron worker he's one of our best graduates one of the best employees at the iron workers local union and and he basically saw the program was like well He's like, this will give me 10 or 12 weeks before I decide what I really want to do. And he loved it. He got into it. We helped him with some of his substance abuse issues that he, that, he's, that he had. He's been clean since he got in the program. He's working his way up through the apprenticeship at the Iron Workers, and he uh, does a great job. He was just interviewed the other day by uh, a local news station here, and he's one of our teachers now. He's giving back. So he goes to work, you know, his 10 hours a day, because obviously almost everybody here is working overtime with all the work we got now. And then when he's done with his 10 hours, day he goes in and he teaches building futures for three or four hours and he spends his fridays and his weekends with his his, his beautiful new wife and and new 
baby and uh and he's giving back and and we're going to have lots of those and we have lots of those already and it's going to be great and just to reiterate what president watson said when you go to those graduations and you see some of those people that have never had that chance or never had that opportunity or never reached down and grabbed them to try to pull them up the ladder where they're at and then you see them with their moms their dads their wives their kids and you see the pride not only in their face that they finished something and they accomplished it but also the pride in their families' faces and then they come back three months six months nine months 12 months later or our program manager, Leland Bass, touches base with us and says, hey, you know so-and-so, guess what they're doing now, and this is how much they made the first year, and this is the new house they bought, and this is the car they just bought. It's, it just makes you feel really good, and it gives you pause, because I know we get caught up in the day-to-day minutia of all the bad things that are happening around us, but uh, that's really an uplifting story, and I think that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. I also want to add, and this is uh, this is a big win for us. Um, we are going to be engaging with Columbus City Schools and other schools because we want to take this program, Building Futures, to our students uh, for 10th and 12th grade. So this summer, hopefully, keep our fingers crossed that I know it will happen. Uh, we'll have a class for 100 students, and they will be paid a stipend, and uh, we're going to give them the young, young uh, adult version of Building Futures. So we're very excited about that. And because, you know, every every child doesn't want to go to college, so let's expose them to different things. Sure. And then they can make the decision, but they will never be able to say that they weren't exposed to the trades. So, so we're really excited about that. That's why uh, President Watson's a tremendous asset to the building trades and the programs that we're doing and an incredible partner because she's constantly pushing the envelope. And, and, again, it's great to help that 30, 35, 40-year-old person, you know, that maybe's had some issues get right on that path to the middle class. But what we're doing to do in these schools is give these kids the soft skills, the training. So that way, uh, and President Watson's been talking about this for years, when they step off of that podium with their high school diploma, they can walk right into an apprenticeship or right into a middle-class career and, uh, and can take care of themselves right from the beginning of their adulthood. And I think that's a huge, tremendous opportunity. They're essentially graduating to a better life and definitely yeah. something that we want to continue, not just in central you- Ohio, but all around America. This has been a great show. I, I thank uh, Dorsey Hager for putting this together. Dorsey, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades, and of course, Nana Watson, President of the Columbus Branch of the NAACP. Nana, uh, you and Dorsey are really it, really close. I'm, I'm thinking here, maybe he's your brother from another mother. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I do know this. Uh, he's a good friend. He's a good friend to me. He is a good friend to this community. Um, Dorsey has um, the patience of Job. Uh, sometimes I call him and say, I don't know what this company is. Can you find it? Who are they? What does their diversity look like? How many people are on their board? How many employees? And he says, okay, I got you. And then he calls back within minutes because we have to begin. We do research these companies. I read the paper and I'm saying, oh, another company, Dorsey. Do you know this one? Where are they going to build? So it's that type of relationship and friendship that we have, and it's going to be everlasting. Nana, you take care. Dorsey, we're going to have to run. We got to Fred Redman on line number two, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Wonderful conversation. Let's uh, let's do this down the road, okay? All right. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's our first Friday with Fred. Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed flash Ferens. It takes Layuna to keep America running. 
Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to uh, Austin, Texas right now. And joining us on our live line is Fred Redmond, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, AFL-CIO. Dot org is the uh, national website and this is our first friday with fred started this about 16 17 months ago when fred was chosen to be the number two man secretary treasurer of the afl cio and he's there with somebody that eventually is going to get on this show that person is chris gardner who uh, if you've seen the movie pursuit of happiness he was the main character played by Will Smith. What a heck heck of a movie that was, and we'll eventually get him on the show. But Fred, welcome uh, back to America's Workforce. Talk to me about uh, what you're doing with Chris down there. Go ahead. Well, thanks a lot, Flash. It's good to be with you. Uh, I'm down here with uh, my team from the AFL-CIO, and we're working with uh, Chris Gardner and his organization, uh, the Permission to Dream, that's uh, housed under the Chris Gardner Foundation. And, uh, you know, what we're doing is uh, we're promoting uh, uh, apprenticeship programs in inner-city schools around this country. And uh, so we're here in Austin, Texas. We've met at a school called Dale Valley School um, that's represented by some good teachers from the the NEA, National Education Association. And tomorrow we're doing a school called Navarro is represented by AFT. And what we're doing is, in conjunction and in partnership with the building trades, what we're doing is presenting these students with some uh, career options to go into apprenticeship programs and, uh, you know, educating them on the opportunity to become journeymen, uh, building trades. And here in Austin, Texas, there's a lot of projects that's being developed under the infrastructure bill and they have a state-of-the-art apprenticeship program and a training center here in the Austin area. So we're down here uh, promoting 
uh, the Building Trades program with the full support of the Building Trades is doing a fantastic job recruiting people of color and women into apprenticeship programs. And, uh, you know, Chris would be happy to get with you uh, sometime soon because he has a remarkable story. Uh, you know, how he came up from rags to riches, uh, picked up a lot of union respect through his uh, investment career. He's semi-retired now, and he done devoted his life to motivating high school uh, kids in order to, uh, you know, reach a point of excellence and uh, encouraging them to stay in school and do all that they can. So it's good work, Flash. Good work. Good stuff. That's really good to hear, Fred. And uh, I know his story, and it's my understanding, too, that he's going into various parts of the country to do what you just said, get into those underserved communities and and lead those people to the middle class, pathway to the middle class. We always say that on the show. It's important to make that connection because, as you pointed out, with the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, the CHIPS Act, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities right now, and we we want to make sure those jobs are filled. Absolutely. And we want to give, you know, uh, some opportunity to folks who have historically, you know, didn't uh, have the opportunity to, uh, you know, go into the building trades. I'm talking about people of color and women. And uh, so we're coming to your area next. We'll be in Columbus, Ohio. We're working through the dates. We're going to do some schools in Columbus. So, um, you know, I'll let you know the date and the location of the schools we're going to do. And uh, no, it's great work, exciting work. I like that. Fred, if you don't mind, I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about the importance of understanding our labor history. It's important for people, especially young people today, to know what struggles went on in years past to get to where we are today. And labor, the unions had a big role in that. And I noticed you recently spoke before the Battle of Homestead Foundation's annual meeting. Can you uh, can you talk about that? That that's let's let's start sure. right there because that was a significant time in labor history. Go ahead. Yeah, very significant time in labor history. A very significant time for the labor movement, especially the United Steelworkers Union. Uh, the Battle of Homestead uh, organization is a group of of uh, labor historians who. Uh, come out of the Pittsburgh area, people like Charlie McAllister, who taught labor history for a number of years at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. Well, he taught world world history, but Charlie had a way of weaving labor history into his curriculum. And uh, just a bunch of great people whose uh, old mission of the Homestead Historical Society the Battle of Homestead Society, is to make sure that that labor history in Pittsburgh, you know, remains the uh, intact and that, you know, people are aware of the history. Uh, these folks fought years ago on the site of the old um, Carnegie Steel Company mill, which later became U.S. Steel, and they fought to preserve some remnants of that site, which is now a major uh, strip mall area full of uh, stores and restaurants. But they preserved in that area in Homestead what we call the pump house. It was the water filtration building where the water through the mills went through this recirculating 
system, and they retained those premises, and the, the uh, state of Pennsylvania declared it a historical landmark. And in that building, they do labor lectures. They, um, you know, have labor study talks and debates and discussions. And it's just a great group of folks um, that's led by a lady named Rosemary Trump, whose uh, family was, um, you know, was involved in a homestead strike. I think her grandfather was one of the uh, people who, you know, stood at that battle in Homestead. But, you know, we go back to 1892, and the workers was organized under independent union that they formed, the Amalgamation Association of Iron and Tin. Uh, Carnegie owned the steel company. And, uh, you know, he hired uh, Henry Frick to run the operation for him. And, um you know, they hired uh, the Pinkertons to come out. They went on strike for wages and benefits. And, you know, they hired the uh, security company that came out. First it was the Pinkertons, and then they actually used an organization called the Pennsylvania Militia to beat back the strikers. And, you know, folks was killed, folks was maimed. And it was a major defeat for the union strikers and for the union movement. It, it, you know, it really set us back some years in terms of organizing the uh, steel industry. Uh, it set those efforts back. Uh, you know, we were defeated in 1892. Four years later, they came back under an uh, organization called the Steelworkers Organizing Committee, SWAT, and they were able to successfully get a contract. And from there, you know, it, it became labor history, okay? After the Battle of Homestead, uh, other Carnegie mills around the country, the workers got mobilized and organized under the banner of the Steelworkers Organizing Committee. And then the rest is history. You know, John L. Lewis decided he was going to organize the steel uh, mills around this country, and he worked with SWAT, and he assigned one of his lieutenants, Philip Murray, to head the uh, fight for unionization in the steel industry. And uh, Philip Murray uh, became the first president of the steelworkers. So I tell people the relationship between the steelworkers and the mine workers were like first cousins. Our mm-hmm. first president was a uh, mine worker, Philip Murray, who was assigned by John L. Lewis uh, throughout this struggle to organize the basic steel industry around this country. So the Battle of Homestead uh, Foundation is an organization that's composed of labor his- history buffs like me and you, Flash, who really, really uh, make sure that the memory of those workers who gave their lives to organize in the steel industry you know, remain relevant today. You know, there's a lot of controversy today about what's being taught in classrooms with with the culture right. wars and all that. You know what's going on in various states. Right. And, you know, there's a lot posted about the Homestead strike on the Internet. Yeah. But, Fred, don't you think that <laughs> I think we should be doing a better job in those classrooms to inform the students of today about what happened in that time period and how difficult it was to uh, to move America forward and to get workers what they deserve, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think that we need to do a better job, particularly at the moment that we're in right now, where yeah. workers, particularly young workers, are standing up and, you know, asking for the right to collectively bargain and organize. We talked about 
uh, workers at places like uh, Amazon, Whole Foods, and, you know, workers in what's been traditionally low-wage jobs around this country is saying enough is enough. And I think that they could gain their motivation and their determination by understanding this labor history, okay, that people actually gave their lives for the right to organize and to bargain collectively. And, uh, you know, I think that we need to, through our union uh, labor education programs, make sure there's, that's unfortunately being cut from a lot of universities around the country. You know, when the budgets get lean, you know, the first thing that have a tendency to go is these labor history courses. But, you know, we need to, and we're going to, you know, develop trainings within our affiliated unions and through the AFL-CIO to make sure that that history remain intact. Because, you know, workers today need to understand that, uh, you know, unions was not just given. It wasn't done by uh, act of Congress. It was done to the determination of workers throughout the country and every industry around this country to uh, demand the right to collectively bargain, bargain for wages, hours, and working conditions. And the sacrifices that so many workers made in order to uh, reach that monumental achievement where workers have a seat at the table, uh, you know, was paid for. You know, some people paid the ultimate price for it. And uh, there's a lot of historic battles that was fought. You know, the Memorial Day Massacre in Chicago. We look at the sit-in strikes in Detroit. And, um, you know, so there's a rich history of uh, fighting for the right to organize in this country, and we can't let that be forgotten. We should also point out in Memphis, Tennessee, we're going back 55 years ago, that's Ask right. me, American Federation of State County Municipal Employees Sanitation Workers went on strike after uh, two workers were killed on the job. And uh, that strike went on to the point that Dr. Martin Luther King showed up at a rally the night before his assassination. I mean, these are events that need to be really, really talked about in the schools. So the young people of today realize what kind of struggles went on and uh, right. and how we got to where we are today it's so important that we don't forget that uh, that history very rich history well fred you are the guy to talk about history i know you got a long history with the steel workers well, and thanks. obviously you're uh, doing a great job as secretary treasurer of the afl-cio so i'm going to let you go back to chris gardner over there and you make sure you uh, give them our contact information we'll get we'll them on the show it. okay brother all right we'll do it flash you take care okay take care and stay safe right. fred redmond Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, we have Randy Weingarten joining us. Randy, of course, president of the American Federation of Teachers. And Doreen Cannon talks about Women in Construction Week. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.